This, uh, I think this video is a really good recap of what we did last week as we talked about um, House of Love. Um, we talked about, or Jesus, rather, through this parable of the Good Samaritan, he really led us in a conversation about love and what it, what it really looks like and what it really means, pardon me, um, that it is, love is not something you say, okay? It's not just words. It's not just an I love you to your, your wife or your husband or your kid or someone else. Uh, it's not something you feel. Love is not something you feel. It involves words, to be sure. It involves uh, sentimentality at times and affections of the heart. But love, according to that parable of the Good Samaritan, love is primarily action. Love is something you do. Love is a lifestyle. And Jesus, of course, is the perfect model of what that lifestyle looks like. Now, as I think about Jesus, and I think about the, the walking that he did and the teaching and the ministry that he did, I think about his circle that was around him, the 12 apostles. And there was one of these 12 who has been known over the centuries as the love apostle. Now, you might think we're talking about Paul because he wrote that amazing 1 Corinthians 13. Um, but we're really talking about the one who was most known for being for love was John. Okay? Was John. Um, the Gospels tell us that John was the apostle whom the Lord loved. Now, that's not why he is the love apostle. Okay, he's not known as the love apostle because he was the, the object of the love of Jesus Christ. He is known as the love apostle because of his lifestyle of love. Because of his commitment to this idea of loving people as God loves them. He wrote in the books of the New Testament in which he wrote, it is the major theme. In the tiny little book of 1 John, he mentions love 35 times. Love was a really big deal to the Apostle John. So he is known as the love apostle. But he wasn't always all that loving. All right? We pick it up in Luke chapter 9, verses 52 to 56. Jesus, James, John are on their way toward Jerusalem. The text says this. They came to a Samaritan village to make arrangements for his, Jesus' hospitality. But when the Samaritans learned that his destination was Jerusalem, they refused hospitality. When the disciples James and John, when the disciples James and John learned of it, they said, Master, hey, Jesus, do you want us to call down a bolt of lightning from the sky and incinerate them? Jesus rebukes them. Jesus says, of course I don't want you to do that. You know me. And then they travel on to another village. You know, John's approach, this town in Samaria is not welcoming us. How about we call down a surgical strike from heaven? Just nuke the place. Just destroy them. Nice going, love apostle. Nice going. Before John was the love apostle, he was becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was becoming this person who God wanted him to become, and there was a lot of becoming to be done. Jesus, we know this, he longs for us to be known as primarily as Christians, as followers of, of him, for us to be known primarily for the way we love God and love other people. Um, it is the central defining quality of what it means to be a Christian. How are you doing at loving? 
Loving God, loving people, that is really the sum total. According to Jesus, Matthew 22, that is the sum total of our faith. But like John, we are works in progress. We are becoming. We are not where we will be one day. We are not where we should be. Um, We haven't always been the men and women that we were supposed to be, but we know by faith we are being made into the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And with the Spirit's help, we are growing and becoming better, not bitter. And with the Spirit's help, we are becoming more loving. Now, John's patience with that Samaritan village that would not give room and board to Jesus, his patience was zero. He gave them one chance to be hospitable. He gave them one chance to welcome the Lord. He gave them one chance to do the right thing. They didn't. He was ready to wipe them off the map. Now, here's the thing. Numero uno, the first quality, the first word that God uses when he wants to define for us what love is, is the word patience. In 1 Corinthians 13, as as Paul begins this inspired, Holy Spirit-breathed concept of love, he begins by saying, love is patient. Verse 4, love is patient. So write this down. The first word God uses to describe what love is. Patience. Patience. Full disclosure this morning. I am utterly and completely unqualified to preach a sermon on patience. I'm just going to lay that out. Do what I say, not what I do this morning. Okay? The worst way to preach, but there it is. I am not a patient person. Okay? Um, It is a major growth area in my relationship with the Lord. To be honest, I often track more with the old John than I do with who he became, this gentle, patient, loving man. But the first word on love is patience, is patience. And I have shared with this before, and any time I talk about patience, I'm going to share this because it helps me. It is that the Greek word here is makrothumos. Makrothumos. This matters, I think, and tells us a great deal about what patience is, because that Greek word makrothumos, makro meaning much, big, large, thumos meaning heat. Think thermonuclear weapon. Think thermal underwear. Think thermos you carry to work or school. Big heat, great heat. Patience is this love that is able to remain steady when the heat is on. It is able to handle the pressure of really loving someone even once you get to know all about their faults and failures. So that's, that's the first word. Now this gets translated in excellent translations, a variety of ways you can translate this. Um, you'd see in the NIV, patient, which we just read. In the Amplified Version, love endures long. It's a marathon love. Um, the King James love, I like this one, suffereth long. It, it, real love has to suffer. Um, love, basic English, never gets tired of waiting. And then the message says, love never gives up. Love never gives up. 
So each one of us is on this journey, this Holy Spirit-led journey, powered journey to become more like Jesus, more like Jesus. And one of the ways this happens, one of the very practical rubber meets the road ways that this happens is that God kind of drops certain people into our lives, right? He's kind of paratrooping these little paratroopers of patience into our lives to test us, to teach us, to help us to grow. And I'm not, I really, I don't think we can become better people. I don't think we can become softer, more gentle people without God strategically placing these EPR, extra patience required people, in our lives. One of my greatest professors was an EPR gentleman in Brazil known as Luis Abrão. I've talked about him before as well. Luis Abrão. We lived there, we worked there at the Victory Church for 10 years, and it was there that Luis came into my life and came into the life of the church there in Rio. Mentally handicapped individual, middle-aged man. Um, He did, Luis, because of his handicap and everything, he did everything slowly. Did I say everything? Did I say slowly? Uh-huh. He, he did everything slowly. Except if I was teaching a Bible class, or anyone was teaching a Bible class, and they needed someone to read a scripture, boom! Luis's hand shot up. He did that fast. He wanted to be the guy to read the scripture, to volunteer. And so he often got called on, and, um, and he would begin reading the scripture each word taking five ten seconds to read and so a reading by Luis Abrão became an odyssey in patience now let me just say and this may be me and my old man of sin um, I think Luis had a little bit I'm not supposed to say this about handicapped folks, but I think Luis had a little bit of an Andre streak in him. A, because I think we all do. But I think Luis had a little bit of an Andre streak in him. Um, seemed to relish, Luis did, the testing of people's patience. Maybe he just appreciated his role in God's kingdom. I am the patience professor. I don't know. Maybe he just knew what he was all about. But there would be a time, any time to stand in the spotlight to get attention Luis would grab, and let's be honest, because Luis Abrão lived in a world where people did not give him attention, where people did not notice him or take their time to interact, supermarket or at the hardware store. People would not give him the time of day. But Luis was a church where people are supposed to be patient, where people are supposed to act like Jesus, and Luis understood that. And so he was always ready to volunteer for reading a scripture in Bible class, and then there was communion each week, the Lord's Supper, the taking of the wine and the bread, and we didn't do it there like we do it here. We didn't pass trays back and forth down the aisles. We had a couple little tables set up, and so at some point in the service, we would just sing a couple songs and say, hey, get up and help yourself. You know, gather around the table and pray together or or pray alone and take the Lord's Supper, and then we would get back on with the worship service. Luis would handle it this way. He would wait until pretty much the last couple of phrases of the last Lord's Supper song, when everyone is pretty much finished and sitting down, 
that's when Luis would get up and make his way to the table and very slowly begin kind of looking out of the corners of his eyes to make sure he was the only one standing up front and that the church was waiting on him and that's how Luis handled communion. Now, after the worship service, people are talking and chatting. Occasionally someone actually wants to talk to the preacher. Um, sometimes there is even a little bit of a cue of people who have some needs or concerns or things they want to share with the preacher. Um, Luis always wanted to talk to the preacher. Okay? And while people tend to kind of queue up or wait their turn, Luis doesn't wait his turn. Luis walks right in and begins sharing with you whatever he wants to share. Now, Gordon, you, you, you said Luis is handicapped, and uh, I'm sensing, Gordon, a little bit of hostility from you. I'm, I'm sensing, this isn't a story that, mm, this is a, look, hey, I thought all week, Mike, I thought all week, i got to find a story that makes me look great, where I showed incredible patience. I didn't come up with one. All right, so this is what I got. This is me. I struggle with patience. I struggle with it. I do. Like I said, I believe that Luis was brought into my life as a little personal trainer for me, um, helping me work out my patience. And while I wasn't this towering example of love and patience, I can tell you, Luis Abrão had a home at our church, had a place at our church and he taught me and he taught a lot of people a great deal about patience so what we're going to do is we're going to unpack a little bit this idea of why of why why is patience so important when it comes to love and, and what does it mean to be a patient person on the outline this morning um, patience is central to being a loving person first of all because only when I am patient with someone can I appreciate someone only when I am patient with someone can I really appreciate, fully appreciate another person. So this is the first thing. Write down, appreciate. The patient side of love starts with being able to appreciate someone. Part of the beauty and the mystery of other people are the unique differences between every one of us. The differences are part of this mosaic, this tapestry that is beautiful that God made. Um, people are complicated. That goes in the blank there. People are complicated. I will honor the unique image of God that I behold in each person by appreciating who they are and taking time to get to know them. We're not saying every one of the six billion people on planet earth. We're saying if I'm going to love someone, if I'm going to get to know them, it is going to take time. And I'm going to take that time if I'm called to love someone. If you're thinking if you're thinking to yourself, wait, hey, I know people who are not complicated at all. May I humbly suggest you don't really know them, okay? You don't really know them. Um, each of us, each one of us, we are bundles of failures and successes, of all sorts of life experience, of all sorts of opinions and preferences, of shortcomings, of strengths. Each of us are different personalities. We are each complicated. We're complicated. You know, they say that churches are a lot like peanut brittle. And if you ask why, it's because it takes a lot of sugar to hold all the nuts together. 
we are, this is a collection this morning of complicated people. Of complicated people. Loving someone, really loving someone requires patience because that someone, if you get below the surface, that someone is quite complicated. Now, the Bible is not talking about love, this expiration date, short-term love that moves on when it gets bored with someone, when it's tired of someone. The Bible is talking about real love.